A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. We appreciate you guys making us your weekly destination to catch up with some of our favorite uh, Atlanta and Georgia guests, uh, both past and present. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. All right, so this is going to be uh, like inside the actor's studio with Mark Zeno. Mark, when did you first come to Atlanta? Well, hi, Matt. Um, I got here in June of 2014, so I was brought from Baltimore. What brought you to Atlanta? It was, uh, at the time, CBS Radio, uh, before Intercom had bought them out. At the time, CBS Radio, um, I was working in Baltimore, and they had approached me and offered me a job to come to Atlanta to do work evenings. And it was a bigger bump in market, a bigger bump in pay, and a chance to do my own show. And so I, uh, I jumped at the opportunity. So help me understand this. So you're in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Do you reach out to them? Do they reach out to you? Like, what's the uh, courtship process? Uh, they reached out to me. They actually reached out to my program director in Baltimore and uh, asked to talk to me. So I get a phone call from the program director at 92.9 The Game. At the time, he's no longer there. Um, and he says, hey, we're interested in having you come to Atlanta. Uh, we'd like for you to fly down here and um, take a look at the operation, meet everybody, and see if you're interested. And so uh, this was middle of May, beginning of May of 2014. Um, I had flown down for uh, literally about 36 hours. Like I flew in on a, uh, on a Thursday night, was there Friday morning, did the meetings and everything, and then flew back Friday night. So uh, it was a really short trip. Uh, did my interviews with everybody, and uh, about a week later they gave me an offer. So what did you know about Atlanta when you got down here? Not a damn thing, um, <laughs> other than other than Ray Lewis. Uh, that was about it, uh, because I was in Baltimore at the time. So, you know, the connection between Baltimore and Atlanta from that standpoint is Ray Lewis. And so uh, I hadn't known much about it, honestly. Um, I had been to Atlanta once for some military training. Um, that was about it. I had been to the airport on my, uh, my leave, coming back to my rack twice. But I had never really branched out uh, anywhere else. So I, I didn't have a lot of knowledge uh, of the town at all. So what about from a sports perspective, other than Ray Lewis? Like, what did you, from the outside looking in, think of the sports community? Well, I'm not sure if the audience is going to like this answer, but the, the 96 World Series, the 99 World Series was what jumped out at me growing up in New York as a Yankee fan. So All I right, that. Zane, we're, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, listen, I mean, look, the Braves are always the, the brand name I thought of when I thought of Atlanta, right? Um, I mean, obviously – there was there was Deion Sanders and, and prime time and that was the Falcons that was the, the uh, what I what I always thought of growing up as a kid in Atlanta and then you get to the Mike Vick thing um, obviously that was you know the other thing that you think of and the Hawks are really sort of an afterthought like I just you know uh, they never really were part of my lexicon as a kid growing up I mean I was a big Knicks fan they never had a rival with them you know they never really crossed paths with them in any size way shape or form um, I was never much of a a 
soccer guy. I didn't even think Atlanta United was here when I first got here anyway. So, um, but it was Braves first, Falcons second, and literally being a kid who grew up in the Northeast, particularly New York, it's a pro sports town. College football, like, didn't even pay attention to it. Like, honestly, like it was just one of those things growing up as a kid, never watched it, didn't care about Saturdays. I played football on Saturdays, so I didn't watch it. Um, and then you get down here and you realize – what a religion college football is and it's sort of like a, an awakening you know it's an enlightening if you will uh, an epiphany pick any word you want um but yeah i didn't really have any background on college football at all knew anything about it i obviously i knew georgia was the, the team um and georgia tech was the bastard stepchild but nonetheless uh it was always braves at the top for me so what did you think of the radio station so you get to 92.9 and here's the the only connection so i worked for that station in a, in a part-time capacity years before you got down here when it was the old uh, Z93 and then mm-hmm. 92.9 the game still doing FM but they were the Falcons flagship and when I was at 790 The Zone we had a partnership where we would like loan talent to help them because they were an FM so I knew some of the people at the time when you got down here what did you think of those folks running the station or what did you think of the station overall? Well let me let me just add one thing let me back up so I actually did have an interaction with Atlanta from a radio standpoint prior. Um, when 790 The Zone, the Mayhem and the Ahem show, that whole thing happened um, to our friends, you know, and, and colleagues and former colleagues, and all those guys got, got booted out, uh, I had actually just sent an email to Bob Richards at the time. Um, you know Bob, obviously, yeah, was right? Yeah, PD at uh, 790, yeah. yeah. Right. And I sent an email to him, uh, and he and I went back and forth for a couple of weeks uh, in discussions, I sent him my stuff, and he was interested, and you know, not really sure what he was going to do, and this that. So I did have a previous relationship with him, and he was one of the few people I reached out to immediately um, when I found out Atlanta came calling. Uh, so he kind of gave me the lay of the land. When I got there to ninety two nine, I look, I was just excited to to be doing a show. I was excited to be in a new place in a new market and and have a fresh start and really get a chance to sort of carve my way out. I didn't. For as long as I'd been in the industry, which was probably about 10 years at the time, um, I, I never really bothered to take stock in management like, and really um, see the way they behave and, and see the things that they do and look for signs. Like Management at my old place in Baltimore was so infuriating. I, I used to joke around that I felt safer in Baghdad than I did in the office each day. Uh. I felt like I was going to get whacked. I felt like I was going to lose my job every single day going to work. And so when I got here, it was a chance for new management. I just could sort of wipe the slate clean um, and really, you know, thought it was going to be a fresh start and I was going to have a chance to make my way. And then lo and behold, uh, I should have known because it was the same company, those same sort of feelings started to develop over time. It was like, dude, the management style here is just like soul crushing. Explain that to me, though. What does that mean? What, what, like on a day-to-day basis, what, what interactions started to give you some red flags? It was one of those, well, I got bait and switched, you know? I mean, it was one of those things where I was told one thing during the interview, and then another thing happened when uh, when I got on ground. So, like, you know, my show was at, originally supposed to be 6 to 10, and then they moved it to 7 to 11 um, because they, they wanted to match up with your show, with Chuck and Chernoff. They wanted to go to 7 o'clock because your show went to 7 o'clock. And so that was, you know, something that happened. And not the end of the world. Like, it's only an hour, you know, it's 7 to 11, not the end of the world. So I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. But then it was, well, they have Thursday night football and they have the Hawks and so and Monday night football. And so, like, during the fall, like, I never had a show. And so they had to figure out something to do with me. And so then I'm just going to get sound at Hawks games. 
you know, I'm covering the team, so to speak, but not really covering the team. You know, and that's not like, I, I, it's nothing against it. Like, it, it's not a big deal. I, I don't begrudge people have to go do that. But that's not what I was brought here to do, right? That wasn't the job offer. The job offer was to do a radio show every day. And so it was one of those things where I was working past 11 o'clock at night. You know, it started to, to, to become one of those things where it was like, okay, you know, you are now doing something completely different. And uh, I, as I started to have a family, um, you know, I had small children, the twins, and they, they were infants. And, you know, like life just sort of takes over you. And, and all of a sudden, it's this whole world where it's it's – not only you're doing something different, but you're doing it at a completely different time. And then the second year of the Hawks, they forced me to work from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. And that was just like, well, dude, this is not at all what I signed up for. Like, I, I didn't do this to go backwards. You know, like, you know, we perceive it in our, in our line of work where, you know, the more prime day part you're in, the, the, the more you, you, you are going up in the business. I was going backwards in the business. And so it, it became that. It became, you know, frustration with management saying, well, now you're going to work weekends. And I'm like, well, I mean, like, again, none of this stuff was detailed out for me ahead of time. Um, I was actually told when I first took the job that I was going to be part of the Hawks pregame. That never materialized. Um, and so uh, it became one thing after another that just sort of made me look at management and go, well, what the hell, man? Like, this is not leadership. This is not what you do to people. This is not how you, you – treat your employees and the people who work for you. So are you having major uh, regrets at that point, buyer's remorse? I wasn't having buyer's remorse about coming here. I was just mad that I was lied to. Like, you know, I, I tried to explain them over and over again. I'm like, guys, you know, I, I've heard worse news than what you're going to tell me. So at least be straight with me ahead of, up front and tell me what the deal is. Like, that to me was the flaw, and, and that's a flaw, by the way, in a lot of radio management. It's not just, as you know this, right? It's not just remain to one station or one market. That, that for whatever reason, radio decision makers always like to hoard information and hide it from you and then drop it on you at the last minute without telling you a damn thing or lead you to believe one thing and then do, then do the exact opposite. So I think you know that I could have been in this business long enough. It's just sort, just sort of the nature of what it is. It wasn't buyer's remorse because I, I, I had settled well here. Like, I like Atlanta. You know, it's a great city. Um, I love being down here. I love the weather. I love the environment. I love the nightlife. I love the culture. I love everything about this city. It's great. Uh, it was just one of those things where it was like, from a work standpoint, I was dying. Like, I, I, was, I was suffering, man. I, to be perfectly honest. And, and, and I tell this story and I told the candidate, like, you know, at one point, I had went to management at 929 and I had basically, I was, Matt, I was basically like in tears. And I, told, I explained to him, I said, listen, man, my life's falling apart. My marriage is struggling. My marriage is falling apart. I've got kids at home. I can't, you know, I can't work till three o'clock in the morning. My kids are up at 6 a.m. My wife has to go to work. I'm on three hours sleep. I'm exhausted. This is not what I signed up for. I need you guys to help me. I need you guys to fix this. I can't continue to work like this. And they said, yeah, we're going to take care of it. We'll, we'll work something out. Let's, let's talk it out. And all those concerns fell on deaf ears. And, and all of them were ignored. And so I was out on an island by myself. And that's ultimately what led to my firing at 929. That's ultimately what... what was the first domino to fall in the chain of events that, that ended up of, of us parting ways. Follow the podcast park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind the scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the podcast park. I want to talk about one of our great sponsors at the Rhodes group. Yes. My buddy Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes group are a proud sponsor of us here at welcome to Atlanta. And they're also my insurance company. Uh, it was about, I don't know, four or five months ago now that 
I finally realized why am I paying so much for my home and car insurance? I don't think we realize as the consumer we should be shopping or having somebody in a professional setting shop those rates for us. So I had the professionals at the Rhodes Group shop my rates and they ended up saving me a boatload of money. I'm talking about $2,000 for my home and car insurance. By now you guys know it's a great time to refinance your home. You see all those rates. Well, you might not know it's also a great time to shop your home insurance. Home insurance rates creep up every year, and the only way to get the best policy and the best rate is to work with an independent insurance agency like the Rhodes Group. Here's the deal. You can get up to 10 insurance quotes in 10 minutes from the Rhodes Group at no cost to you. You want to visit them online. I got a special landing page for you. You can go to roads-group.com slash churnoff. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S. roads-group.com slash churnoff. You can also see the link up at Real Matlana on Twitter. They're my insurance company. They're going to do this at no cost to you, and you're going to end up saving a boatload. The Roads Group is the answer to saving money and getting the best in insurance coverage. Again, the Roads Group is the place you want to go. Tell them Matt sent you. Go to roads-group.com. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Slash churn off. Well, let's go back for a minute. I'm curious... So when they're in the hiring process or they hired you, what did you know about the sports radio landscape? Like, did you, did you check around the dial and see our station at the time? What are they telling you about the station? What was that like? I, I didn't. I, and they didn't tell me anything. I, I, again, it was, it was probably naivete on my part. I don't think I did enough research about the market, about uh, the stations in the market, about the personalities and, and, and everything else. I was just so excited to be getting a different opportunity. Um, and a chance to do my own show that I, I probably should have done more homework, lesson learned, right? I mean, I, I had known, obviously, about 680 The Fan, and I knew about 790 The Zone. But as I got here in in 2014, you know, 790 The Zone and Liberty Media were, were dying, right? They were on life support at the time, I think. I think it might have been three or four months after I had settled in June that you guys, that station finally, you know, uh, ended up, you know, folding and closing the doors, right? Sometime in the fall of 2014 it was? Uh, I mean, the timeline's not. I mean, I was over at 680 at the time, but that sounds okay. right. I mean, after they were bought, uh, mm-hmm. eventually they became more of an ESPN property, and then, yeah, they, they shut the doors. Right. So um, I, I didn't do a lot of research. Uh, however, I, I, did, I do listen to a lot of sports radio. So I found myself, and I'm always somebody like, I listened, when I was at 929, I listened to 680 more. Then I listen to my own station, um, and that's because I always like to see what the competition is doing, right? Like, I know what my station does. I should know what my station is all about. It shouldn't take me long to figure that out, so I always listen more to, to what you guys are doing. And when I was driving to work for my show that started at 6 or 7, I actually had your show on more than the show that was on 92.9, um, and, and that's kind of where I first fell in love with Matt Turnoff. No, I mean, that it was in. <laughs> I always knew it was there. Well, but let me ask you though. See, here's what I'm curious about. 
I worked at 790 for a long time and I came to 680. So for me, like I was in two different places. I was in one spot for 10 years. Then I went to a completely different culture. So I'm curious before we talk about you transitioning, what was the culture like between the hosts, the programming staff at 92.9? The programming staff, in my opinion, left a lot to be desired. Um, I I don't think that they... um, had any control of the program. I don't think they, they invested enough into the programming. I don't think that they um, really valued what was coming out of the speakers enough. Um, the, the, the connection between the staff, um, now again, you got to remember, there was a whole bunch of shifting day parts from my time when I got there. Um, and so, like, Jamie Dukes was there, and then he was gone. Randy Cross was there, and then he was gone. Um, you know, I got along with those guys for the most part. I mean, I, the one guy I butted heads with and the guy I butted heads with still to this day is Mike Bell. You know, um, Mike Bell, uh, I think literally like six months, less than, less than three months into being there, six or three months into me, he blocked me on Twitter and refused to unblock me. Right? Do you know why? Like, what, what, what because, well, I, because he was sick and tired of me shooting every dumb opinion out of the sky that he had and telling the world he was wrong like and proving it was like facts like he, he got tired of that quickly um and so it was it was his way of, of preventing me from seeing anything he put out on twitter so you know it, it, and it was one of those things where it was like you know what I, I i've got enough issues with management i'm not going to bring up twitter you know to, to so i never even broached it with anybody so how was um, and how was the relationship though did you guys do any crossover on air like what was that like Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, and Mike and I would when they would put us together when Carl Dukes was out. Like it was it was nonstop, you know, fighting for four for five hours. Like we 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 would go back and forth, nonstop. And and look, you know, we kept obviously we kept professional. Look, I have no like personal animosity towards Mike, like none whatsoever. He's it, it doesn't you know my, Mike and I grew up in the same part of Long Island. Uh, we think a lot alike. We act a lot alike. Professionally, we couldn't be more diametrically opposed. You know, and it's just and so. Um, you know, I, I take pride in my preparation. I take pride in, in showing up to work every day, knowing as much as I possibly can. That's not Mike. Mike's at the point of his career where he shows up to work, turns on the mic, and just talks. And so uh, when you're winging it like that on a daily basis, you're, 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 you're probably not going to have your A game every single day. Um, and I pride myself on bringing my A game every single day because, I mean, you've seen me, prepare, you've seen me every day prepare for a show. You know what I, what I put into it and how, how much research and information I do and everything else. And so um, we're just diametrically opposed from that standpoint. I mean, you know, and I, I listen, I got receipts to prove it. I'm not afraid to say this. Other people know this. Mike literally would text me in the morning or, or during the afternoon before his show and ask me questions about things. And then literally read my text verbatim on the air as if it was his own. How about that? Like that to me, that to me pissed me off. Like that's crap. And you didn't give me credit on it. It's not like you said, Hey, Zeno, Zeno shot me this this morning. I thought it was interesting. And then expounded on it. Like he literally passed my thoughts off as his own. And again, I've got receipts to prove it, so I'm not I'm not shy about saying it. like that. That to me was that's lowbrow. Like you don't do that. You you don't take. I mean, literally, it's plagiarism, right? But like pure definition, um, taking someone else's thoughts and passing it off as your own. Um, and and so I I never appreciated that. I thought that was kind of crap. You know, you, you don't do that to other people in the business. If if I have a great idea and we share it in the bullpen, you know, when we were working together, I would never think that you would go on the air and and, and take that idea and say, you know, I have a great idea. And, and throw it out there as if you're, you you just would never do that. So I thought that was highly unprofessional, um, and that was something that 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 sort of you know turned the tide for me. 
um, with him, you know, uh, from a professional standpoint. Again, it's it's not personal animosity. Um, the other guy, the, the, the other guy that 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 I, I uh, professionally didn't care for was Rick Hamla. Like he was another one, completely unprofessional man. Like I, I don't I don't hang with people like that. Um, it was one of those things where when when he had an opening in in his in his show, right? Um, the program, the assistant program director called me and said, Hey, have you talked to the boss about you and Rick teaming up? And I said, no, why? I'm like, Rick and I don't really laugh at the same jokes. Like, I don't think it would ever work. So I didn't even broach it. He's like, well, you should do it. You should talk to Rick and talk to the boss and see if you can get like an audition because they're trying people out. I'm like, okay, well, it's better than working from 11 a.m. to 3, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. So I'll do anything at this point. Right. Like, and so, I pick up the phone and I call Rick and he doesn't return my phone call. And so I text him like, Hey Rick, got a quick question for you. And literally like, I kind of knew the answer, but I just figured I'd do my due diligence and, and, uh, and, and, and pick up the phone and make the phone call and just hear it from him on the off chance. He might be open to saying, Hey, listen, I'll at least give you a tryout, you know? Um, and he never responded, never responded. And you know, he, like I text him two days later and he never responded completely just not responding to me. Right. And so then I, I eventually picked up the phone and called the producer and asked him, so what's going on? And I was like, you know, I'm trying to trying to get in touch with him, like, you know, just to see what the, what the deal is. And I was like, would you mind, you know, talking to him and asking him what the deal is? And so then basically he told the producer, no, I don't want to work with him. And I'm like, oh, dude, you couldn't pick up the phone, be a grown up, be an adult and say, hey, man, listen, this is my show. It's not the direction I want to go. I, you know, I, I think you know that we, you know, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, and it wouldn't work out. Totally great. Understand it. Just wanted to do my due diligence, man. Good luck. Like that's the way I would have handled that, but he didn't handle it that way. To me, that's that's unprofessional. Like there's no reason to act like that. So you know, before, I mean, before, Matt, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if I brought an idea, like when we were doing Unbugged Hour, and I brought an idea, and you didn't like it, you just say, now, nah, now. Nah. No, I don't think, you know, it's probably not a good idea for us. And that's the end of it, right? Like, I don't get offended. I don't get it. I, I, never, I would never cry. Like, I would never be upset. I would never go to management because you don't like my idea. Right. I just thought it was extremely unprofessional of one adult to not talk to another adult and go, you know what, man, this, this probably isn't going to work out. Cool. Get it. I, again, one of those things. I've heard worse information than me not being part of your show. Like, I'm going to live. Everything's going to be okay. But just be a professional. Pick up the phone and say, hey, man, this is not what I want for the show. Got it. It's your show, man. I get it. You know? <laughs> well, that's what I'm curious about. So before you come over to our joint, like that's a – Entercom and CBS, it's a corporate-run radio station. And I'm sure there are handbooks and protocols. Like how is the corporate-run radio station handle stuff like that, programming lineup changes, guys who maybe are bumping heads? Like what is that behind the scenes like? My guess, like, in corporate, from a corporate standpoint, like, it feeds from the top, right? It comes down from New York and, and, and Philadelphia, where Intercom is headquartered. And, you know, they, they may throw a couple of names up there to the extreme vice president, the, the exalted vice president of programming, um, and, and then they sort of push it down. I, I think they give programmers certain latitudes at the, at the you know, local level. But at the end of the day, in that company, everything gets shot all the way up to the top. It always did. There, there, there wasn't a, you know, when I was leaving Baltimore, to go to Atlanta, I, I, you won't get me to believe that New York didn't know about it, right? Like CBS Radio in New York didn't know about it and didn't sign off on it and say, okay, got it. Like, we're not going to make the decision, but you're certainly going to send it all the way up to the top and everybody in the power structure is going to approve it in case somebody ever goes, no, no, not that guy, not that, you know what I'm saying? So 
I think when it comes to corporate sense, yeah, that happens all the way. Um, and there was there was no sense of uh, in, in that corporate environment of anybody doing anything for the team. It was every man for himself every single day. And like I said, it got to a point where I, 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 at least in Baghdad, I had a gun, right? At least I felt like I could defend myself. I don't felt I didn't feel like I could defend myself over there at any point in time. Like there was there was no defense. It was just you at the mercy of what they wanted. And that doesn't mean listen. That doesn't mean necessarily that the people there are bad people. Or even to a certain extent, they're bad managers. I think I can. Dis- I think we can disagree on management styles, management philosophies. I'm not saying that they're bad managers. I'm just saying that for me personally, the way I felt in that environment, it was it was not a, a environment where I felt like they had my back. You okay, know. So and, and, last and question. Let me ask you one more about that, and then I want to ask you about transitioning. Mm-hmm. So you said you personally didn't pay enough attention to management or landscape. Did they in management? Was there a counter programming to what? our belief system is with what we do or like did you did they did they talk about the competition level at all whenever it became about the radio stations we would have these like once a month meetings with all the on-air staff uh and the programming director and the assistant programming director and even sometimes a gm would come in and they would put the ratings up there and everything else and and honestly they would say oh 680 doesn't even matter like we're not even worried about them they don't even register you know from a rating standpoint like it was not they, they were looking at different competition um, from that standpoint. And, and again, naivete, not understanding how 680 operated because I didn't work there, um, I kind of saw it the same way. Like, it was kind of like, I get it. Like, they're not registering the ratings. How can they really be your competition? Because the radio world I grew up in was CUME and average quarter hour and, you know, rating points and all that stuff. So that's what I always knew. And so I didn't really look at – any other business model than that in the radio world because that's all i knew because all i'd ever worked for was you know big radio corporations to that point so um it was you guys were never really on on our radar screen on a routine basis i think it was from a promotion standpoint i think the other thing that was always talked about with with 680 in relation to 1999 time was college football because i i i got the perception that you guys did that better than anybody else like you had that market cornered um, as far as college football. And when I first got here, my, my, you know, I use the word again, naivete of college football and what it meant in the South. I didn't really think anything of it. Right. I'm like, okay, so they got college football, big deal. You know, like let's, let's focus on the, you know, the NBA and the NFL and major league baseball and you should be fine. Um, but you, you realize how big college football is down here and, and what it means. And so, um, that's a huge feather in the cap of, of, of you guys. But I always knew they were trying to do something college football related, over there um and it, since it was never really you know the, the lead dog pulling my sled per se um i didn't really worry too much about the college football aspect but there was i think david green used to do a show uh twice a week uh over there once or twice a week over there and that was like the extent of their college football um direct programming you know what i'm saying at yeah. that point in time yeah. and that was all they did so uh and I, I, I didn't even last my entire tenure there i think it was gone before i was even let go um, I think they did it for like two years, and that was it. Um, two of my three and a half years there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was it was a different culture from top to bottom. I mean, it really, really was. And again, that's not a personal reflection on anybody. It's not a a, uh, a slight on anybody in their professional ability. It was just my view of things at that time. So, tell me about what you thought then when you entered our building. When you get hired for a different company, how did the culture match up with what you had heard? Because I, I, 
I had always heard the name David Dickey, right, and and didn't know didn't know him obviously at all. Uh, had no run-ins with him. Um, people made him out to be like a like a bulldog, you know, like like a pit bull, like an angry pit bull. Um, they, they didn't. Not everybody had the the most you know uh, ringing endorsement of him. Uh, and I can tell you personally, like I I had not a bad word to say about David. Um, he was always courteous and professional to me. He always treated me like an adult. Um, he was always face to face and honest with me. And so when I met him, my first couple of initial meetings with him, I'm like, my reaction was like, this is not as bad as everybody says. Like, I don't get the impression that like he's an a-hole at all. <laughs> you know, like that was what I kind of thought had going in the back of my mind that um, a lot of people had made his reputation out to be um, what it wasn't. Um, and at least to me in the initial, you know, talk about the courtship, uh, the, the times that David and I had spoken, the times that David and I had met, um, I, I always found them very, you know, cordial and, and professional to me. So I, I appreciate that about him. I, I felt like there was a certain amount of, um, you know, genuineness to him that you don't get from a corporate place. And you don't realize that really until you get immersed in the everyday life over at 680 that, you know, I know, I know David likes to joke around like, Hey, we're just a small company. Yeah. You know, a small company worth a couple of hundred million dollars, but neither here nor there. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a difference when it's just you guys in the building every day. And, and one of the things David would always say you know, about not having to answer to a corporation and answer to wall street. Yeah. He's right about that. It's a, it's a different management environment and a different management style. Um, so when I first met him, I thought it was, it was refreshing. You know, uh, I felt like that really, um, he was being very straightforward with me and that was definitely a breath of fresh air. So what did you think about the personalities now? Cause you were just immersed in a bunch of different guys for several different years. How is it? You're the new kid at school. Like what's that, um, initial, um, realization that you try to fit in a new place? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, um, I, I think it took people a while to get to like, know me, know me, like everybody had known of me. Right. Like, and we all do this thing where you listen to somebody on the radio and you hear them and you sort of get an idea of what you think their personality is like, you know, and I did the same thing with you and Chuck and Turnup. Like I said, I used to listen to you guys every day going in. I'm like, oh, these guys sound like a lot of fun, you know? Um, and so I, I felt like from the beginning, I was going to get along with everybody. I didn't really see any reason that I would butt heads with anybody. Um, I, I didn't know that. Uh, how do you phrase this the right way? I, I be honest, I didn't know I was going to be so well liked. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot of reasons to dislike me, I think. Um, and, and everybody there, you know, like I just got along with everybody. Like, I, you know, there, there there wasn't anything I couldn't mesh with anybody on. You know, and obviously, like, you know, you know, you and Chuck and 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 Lois and Hoyt, like, we all just laugh at the same jokes, right? So, like, we all. Um, enjoy the same thing. So it was a natural fit. Plus, we were there together every day, right? So, I mean, we were there at the same time. And so it was easy for us to converse and talk and laugh and, and talk about non-sports stuff and get to know each other. Um, and so that made it a lot easier. Uh, but, you know, listen, I got along with Steak. Like, you know, he was amazing. Steak was always – and Sandra was always just perfect to me. Um, we always got along and had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And, you know, Finn and I would always go back and forth. I mean, he's a tall Irishman. I'm a short little guinea. And so, you know, we're perfect together in that sense. Um, and, then, you know, and, and, and I mean, how can you not, as somebody who loves baseball, how can you not love talking to Domino, right? Like, how can you not have great conversations with these guys? Kincaid was a Northeast guy from Philly. And even though he and I disagreed on a lot of things, John was always, always looked out for me. And he was actually one of the few people I got, I got a chance to know before I got here 
over the years, he just had, had always been a good mentor. And John always talked to me about the business and tried to educate me about the business. And um, obviously, with all his success and what he's done in his entire career, it was it was always great for him to have him to look out for me and say, "Hey, just you know, give me little tidbits of advice, not only about the building, but just in general. Hey, look out for this. Watch this. You know." pay attention to these things going on and, and rumors he would hear in the industry and always be like, Hey, this might be a good fit for you. Or, you know, you should look here. I mean, he was always that kind of guy, um, almost, almost like a dad, like uh, figure when it came to radio. Um, and, and I, I just, I really meshed really well with everybody. I mean, even, even the producers and, and off air staff, I mean, you know, you could sit there and have arguments about sports all you want, but from a personality standpoint, it was it was a complete 180. I mean, everybody felt like family. Like no, I didn't have a bad thing to say about anybody. Working with them, you know, dealing with them. Like it just there was there was nobody really that I butted heads with. Um, and if I did, it was never worth anything other than a momentary butting of heads, and you just move on. You know, it was it was a it was a very much a, an environment that just fit my personality so much better. Um, and every day I went to work, it never felt like work. You know, it was just, I, I never had to grind any day when I was there. And you know what it's like. I mean, look, you do a show every single day for years and years and years. You have on days and you have off days, right? You have days that your your A game is your A game, and the days that your A game ends up being your C minus game. Um, but it's the people around you that you work with every day that allow you to get over those C minus days pretty quickly. And, and I never really had back to back C minus days, it felt like, because you always had people around you to pick you up and, and really make you. Uh, you know, a little bit better each day. Um, and it was just, and if, and if it wasn't, if it wasn't a good day, I'm sure I could walk into the control room in your studio and talk with a Lois and Hoyt for five minutes and walk out laughing. You know, well, that, I mean, was and just, that was from, from our perspective, when we started putting you on and having you on, we were all like, this dude's too serious. How do we get Zen to laugh? How do we get, cause like there is that Northeastern sports talk. Like I have a hardcore opinion and here it is. And I think our whole mission with you was, Let's try to either one of two things, draws in offsides. Let's see if we can make him laugh, realize the other side of this. And that's where, I, I, for you, like that's what we wanted to see Zinn. If we can get Zinn to laugh and have fun of making fun of ourselves and making fun of you, making fun of yourself. Like I think everything turned out to be a win at that point. It was always, yeah. like, that was our you, game. You, you, see, you guys, you, you, see, you figured me out well enough to know that, I liked you guys enough that you could make fun of me and I wouldn't get mad at you, right? Like, that was that was the key. I mean, I, I've always – Matt, you, you know me well enough to know that i am probably always been the target in any room I walk in, right? Like, I'm always the target of a joke. And I've, I've always been that way, and I'm totally okay with it. I get it. Um, but with you guys, you know, you guys knew you could actually hit below the belt with me, and I, would, I, I couldn't do anything but laugh because some of the insults were really genuinely funny. Like, I smile now thinking about some of the things that you guys would say to me, even though 90% of other people, if they would say to me, I'd be pissed off. When you guys said it, I couldn't do anything to laugh. And I hope people get that. Like, I, when you bring this up, so we, when we would do a fun bag or we take shots at stake or anybody on the station or say, we, like, the one thing everybody neglects is there is no show in our city. Or, you know, I'll put it up against anybody that takes more internal shots at ourselves. Chuck at me daily. Me at Chuck daily. Us at Lo- uh, Los and Hoyt. We bust each other's chops more in ways than, like, anybody else would. But it always gets brought up. Oh, you guys, you're being mean to Zen. Or you being... No, that's our show. We, If we like you, I mean this sincerely, we are going to bust your chops. And that's just the yes. way it's going to go when we expect you to bust back. That's, that's mostly what dudes do. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and again, it was one of those things where I, it's almost like in learning to get to know you guys and be part of your show, like I wanted to be in that environment. I wanted to be in the room where it was being mixed up. Even if it was for the people against me, I was okay with it because, it, it, one, I know it's good radio, right? Like we, we all know in the back of our minds, even though we are laughing ourselves and having a blast, it's great entertaining for the audience. We And, and that's ultimately the point of all this, of, of why we do what we do, because we're out there to entertain the audience. So I always knew that it was worthwhile and entertaining, but I never went home ever like, oh, God, they were so mean to me today. You know, like I, <laughs> I never, never, all I did was go home with a smile on my face and go, damn, that was, you know what? Even though I, I, I took it on the chin, that was awesome. Like that was a blast. We had a ton of fun. Um, and, and it was great that nothing was ever held back because I didn't have to hold back, you know, and, and, and that's so you, that, like you just talked about, like that Northeastern style. Sometimes when you get out of that sports world, you almost get a little tentative that you might cross the line. And trust me, I have enough humor that crosses the line that I was more nervous to do it than anything else. One, because I didn't want to like get you guys mad. And two, because I didn't want to get myself in trouble, like, you know, with the bosses of saying something over the top. Um, but once I was with you guys long enough, I realized that, you know, you can kind of just, enjoy it and sit back. I mean, we all know the line in this business to cross and what not to cross, right? Like you can flirt with the line, um, but you don't ever flirt with it where you're close enough to crossing it. And, and, And I think that was the other thing too, that was always unique about you guys is that you flirted with the line, but you never crossed it. And that's always, it's a tough balancing act. Um, and it separates you from, from others to be able to do it really, really well. Um, but I, 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 and I've said that, listen, I've said that since I've left, I've said that the current management there now, and we talked, the, some of the best radio I've done in my career was from six to seven with you guys every day. That's some of the best radio. And I didn't have to drive anything. I didn't have to come up with any opinions. And all I had to do was sit there, put my feet up and answer questions from a bunch of dopes. Follow the podcast bark on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind the scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the podcast part. I want to talk about one of our great sponsors at the Rhodes Group. Yes, my buddy Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are a proud sponsor of us here at Welcome to Atlanta, and they're also my insurance company. Uh, it was about, I don't know, four or five months ago now that I finally realized why am I paying so much for my home and car insurance? I don't think we realize as the consumer we should be shopping or having somebody in a professional setting shop those rates for us. So I had the professionals at the Rhodes Group shop my rates and they ended up saving me a boatload of money. I'm talking about $2,000 for my home and car insurance. By now, you guys know it's a great time to refinance your home. You see all those rates? Well, you might not know it's also a great time to shop your home insurance. Home insurance rates creep up every year, and the only way to get the best policy and the best rate is to work with an independent insurance agency like the Rhodes Group. Here's the deal. You can get up to 10 insurance quotes in 10 minutes from the Rhodes Group at no cost to you. You want to visit them online, i got a special landing page for you. You can go to roads-group.com slash churnoff. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S. Roads-group.com slash churnoff. You can also see the link up at Real Matlana on Twitter. They're my insurance company. They're going to do this at no cost to you, and you're going to end up saving a boatload. The Roads Group is the answer to saving money and getting the best in insurance coverage. Again, the Rhodes Group is the place you want to go. Tell them Matt sent you. Go to roads-group.com slash churnoff. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Matt Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. 
And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. And one day people will respect the fact that we played, you know, Tecmo Bowl during live radio right. or we, you know, played uh, Cards <laughs> Against Humanity. I mean, we did really stupid things that's part of what we enjoy okay so as we finish i want mark mm-hmm. Zeno, program director to take me through the ultimate sports talk lineup in our city any hosts let's start in the morning either station doesn't matter past or present give me the morning show on the ultimate sports radio station in atlanta what would it be that is outstanding um am i allowed to include myself of in course here or so you my... have an ego you're well, in radio I'm, I'm you should the... I know. I, well, I'm the program director, so I shouldn't be on air, technically. Well, you can, you, I've seen both handled. You can do both. I mean, I, I, I think that there is a uh, there is a, a me-thin combo somewhere in a morning show. Okay. See, I love John. I think John is more of a midday guy um, than he is a morning show guy. All right, don't get political uh, on me here. Just give me you and Finn. Is there a third in the morning, or is it just you two? No, there's got to be a third. We, we need a third. I mean, look, I'll put it this way. I would, I, I would, I, I would bring steak back to do with Finn, uh, and and I, I could be in the morning with those okay. guys. So you're doing morning. Uh, uh, give me midday. John Michaels is middays with who? Oh man, I know this um, is easy. Zen. This is this is the point. This no, podcast I, I is thought provoking. I, I wish I wish I would have known. Well, um, that's the point. I don't want to give you preparation. Yeah, no, no prep time. No. Give me, give. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> wow, you really you had something there. I want to know what that was. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I would put John with Hudson, um, and 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 throw Buck in just for hilarity, okay, right? Like, fine. I think you need, I think you need Buck in there for some semblance of of hilarity. Um, you know, Buck being himself. As we've known, he has he has shining moments that uh, that are that are un, un, untoppled. Okay, so that, uh, give me one more midday show before we get to the afternoon. Is there one more like? You feel free to throw in personalities from the other stations, so we could just you know cross pollinate. Yeah. Um, what if you think they suck? Don't. That's up to you. I mean, i i could put, I could put Carl and and Hugh together. Um, on a show, or I could put like Carl with with uh, uh, another athlete, right? Whether it's whether it's uh, Joe Ham or somebody like that. Like okay. I think Carl is really good at that with athletes. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, he worked with Cordell Stewart, right? At one point, I mean, oh yeah, you know, that's that, right. Wow, that, that, that couldn't have been easy. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can do that, I, I mean, there's a lot of athletes in this in this city you can put them with. Um, but I think I, I think Carl with like Joe Ham and and uh, and and. And maybe Hugh, you know, throw him in a room with those okay. guys right. um, along those lines. And, and I, w- I wouldn't touch your guys' show in the afternoon. Well, what if, though, what if you broke us up? Who would you put either one of us with? If I said you have to break us up, who is Chuck working with and who am I working with? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, you have to – the only other thing you can do is work with an athlete, right? Like, I, I, you are very good at um, – 
gently putting opinions out there that are strong that don't feel strong. And so <laughs> an athlete, so an athlete, well, because you, I mean, you, it, it's your delivery, right? It's just so, it's so congenial. It's you smooth. Know? It's effortless. It is. It is. <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't seem like you are, you are an affront to anybody. And so you're also, but you're also good at getting other people to talk around you. You make people comfortable. You know, you, you, you are, you have that Oprah quality in that sense where, if I put you with an athlete, like if I if I were to put you and Joe Ham together in a room, you, you'll get Joe Ham stories from Georgia Tech locker rooms that no one else is going to get, right? I so, do love Joe. Uh, that's true. You know, so th- those are the kind of things that you can just naturally draw out, and I, uh, I think that what those about are Chuck? really good. Who was Chuck working with? Oh my God, dear Lord. <laughs> He's, he's such a unique figure, you know. Chuck, Chuck Chuck is not a square peg or a round hole. He's like what? He's like a parallelogram, you know, <laughs> in, in an octagon. Um, I, I'm not really sure where we go with Chuck. Chuck needs how about somebody? Kincaid? What would what would Kincaid is, or Steak do with him? Oh, Steak and Chuck, Steak and Chuck together, they they would never have the same conversation. No, like they'd literally be doing two different shows, like at the same time. <laughs> Like all day long, um, yeah. I mean, that's just that, that. That's how that would go. Um, John and John and Chuck would feel like those two old guys on the Muppets, like going back and forth all day long. I believe that. Yeah, you know, there's, that, some, ju- there's some judgment there. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, but you know, do you have to be on a certain gear with Chuck to be able to? Uh, to be able to work with him on a day in day out basis, and it's great, you know, because I would always see Chuck finishing up his shows. I would start my show, and it's, it, Chuck is always that guy who asks. He would always ask me questions like that. <laughs> I would never think like out of nowhere. He'd be like, you know, when when you were when you were in Iraq, did, did they have streetlights there? And I'm like, what? Yeah, they have streetlights. Street like they have electricity, lights. Chuck. Like you know, I mean, it's, it's I, I get it's Mesopotamia, but it's not like you know the birth of Christ sort of level of, of Mesopotamia. So. <laughs> Um, it would always be, he would always have these random questions like that. And, it, it, but, and the best part is, is he would always preface it with, can I ask you a question? Do you, do you mind if I ask you? Yeah, Chuck, yeah, go ahead. Talk to me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm sitting right next to you. As you if know? you were going to say, no, don't ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I eat in here? Chuck, eat your damn sandwich, man. <laughs> Zen, I, mean, I love catching up with you, my friend. I'm glad, uh. I'm glad we got a chance to do it. I know, uh, you know, the next chapter will be the uh, the best one. I, I'm hokey in this way that I do believe stuff happens for a reason, even when we don't want to believe it in the in the moment. So I know the next chapter is going to be the uh, the best one yet for you. Yeah, for once in my life, I'd like to fail up for once. <laughs> That's a good gig, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you screw up, you get a better exactly. gig out of it. That's yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, good catching up, my friend. Stay well and stay healthy. Love to the family. You're the best. I love you, buddy. Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to the great folks at the Rhodes Group. Remember, the Rhodes Group is where you want to go to have them shop your insurance rates, both car and home. They did it for me at no cost. They will do it for you at no cost, and they can save you a bundle of money. You have nothing to lose and only something to gain with the Rhodes Group. You can go to the Rhodes Group, uh, check out their great website. You can go to my Twitter page and find out the information there with a landing page right over to find out how they can get you 10 quotes as quickly as 10 minutes. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madlanta.
Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming uh -huh. And parties don't stop yeah. till 8 in the morning Spring is here and baseball is back You can't forget the derby I love the hats do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.